Welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and him, Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Think of us as GB's oldest Olympic gymnasts. Kieran's very good (laughs) on the high horse, and I can buy drinks from both parallel bars at the same time. Now, I thought that was quite funny, Kieran, the high horse. That's because you are good on the high horse, aren't you? (laughs) I'm going to miss the Olympics, you know, Kieran. It's giving me really easy intros to do while the Olympics have been going on. Um... Remember, Kieran, a few weeks ago we interviewed Rob Angus, vice chair of Swindon, yeah, vice chair of Swindon Town Supporters Trust, and today we interviewed Rob Angus, chief executive of Swindon Town Football Club. I say, I say, interview, Kieran. It's it's more of a lap of honour, really, at the end of a remarkable story, or maybe who knows the beginning of another remarkable story. So that interview's coming up, and it's well worth the wait. But first. A few news stories in a, a quietish week, Kieran. I think it's safe to say. And yes, we start yes. with um, we start with more robins, as it happens. The the little bugger you could hear all the way through the last pod um, <laughs> seems to have disappeared, presumably to bully another household somewhere else. Uh, seriously, he started having a go at me yesterday for sitting in my own garden. The, the, the cat's been under the bed since Sunday. That, that robin was a proper wrong, and I I couldn't get close enough to check, but I'm fairly certain he had a tattoo. <laughs> it was, <laughs> Although somebody did tweet us to say that robins are so territorial, they will attack their own reflections, which um, <laughs> I, made me laugh because I did that myself once. <laughs> I came home, when I came home very drunk and thought there was an intruder in the bedroom. Um, <laughs> I won't be doing that again, as Ali told me at the time. Um, uh, but, Kieran, we, we do have some news stories, as I say, and very, very hot off the press. Um, the government... Uh, has approved uh, a rollover of the Premier League TV deal. Yes, uh, and this is uh, another story broke broke by our very good chum Matt Slater at the Athletic. Um, we knew that the Premier League was keen to roll over the the existing deal that they have with their senior partners, which is Sky, BT, Amazon, and the BBC. However, it has to have government approval because, in theory. Um, if there is no proper tender taking place, it could be deemed to be anti-competitive. Mm. There are new people coming into the uh, broadcast market all the time, especially with streaming services. We've seen the lights of Netflix and so on uh, really expand in recent years. But um, from looking at things, either from the perspective of uh, expediency, i.e. the government uh, wants to be seen to be encouraging the Premier League to give more money to grassroots football, and this deal apparently commits a hundred million pounds to grassroots over over the three years. Um, or it could have been that there wasn't any objections from the streaming companies that uh, it's uh, it, it's going to uh, you know just just bounce along again. Um, so we, we've got uh, we've got a degree of certainty. Um, I think I think Sky and BT will be happy. Because they're not having to pay extra money, mm. um, and, and I think you know the, the Premier League will be absolutely delighted because the the last deal that they did sign, which was what 2017-2018, um, that uh, that involved them taking a, a a broadcast revenue cut of around about ten percent for the domestic market. We've seen um, we've seen the German deal. 
be slightly reduced, the Italian deal be slightly, you know, there's been sort of you know, minor haircuts there. Um, and as far as the French deal is concerned, uh, I think our friends at Manscaped have been uh, have been let loose because that one's gone down by about eighty percent. Um, so uh, yeah, the, the Premier League to maintain the level of domestic rights has got to be seen as a big victory. Mm. I, I really hope that somewhere in Germany there's a children's barber shop called Minor Haircuts. Um, <laughs> so this is this this. Clearly, it's good news. I, I'm guessing, Kieran. Uh, well, I, I know that, uh, notwithstanding an un- yet unidentified variant that causes another lockdown, there, there will be far fewer games on on TV. Certainly, Premier League games in the coming season, won't there? That's right. Um, under the uh, under under the deal, um, there are 380 Premier League TV games in total, and 200 of them are subject to uh, broadcast by the senior partners. So uh, we, we we will be seeing the return of 3 p.m. Saturday kickoffs. Mm. Um, not many of them because, uh, you know, A, we've got the, the interference of, of TV dictating kickoff times. And then, of course, we have both the Europa League and the Europa Conference League taking mm. place. So that will impact upon kickoffs as well. So, you know, for the likes of Spurs and, and those other clubs that have, have qualified for those competitions, they, they won't be having too many Saturday three o'clocks either. Yeah, I noticed, I mean, Brighton Watford's on very early in the season. That, that Sky getting one of the games out of the way quite quickly, isn't it? Yes. Well, I mean, what, what Sky are, are clever at doing is, is that every team is is effectively guaranteed 10 um 10 appearances uh, from from the major broadcasters. So if you get, and let's be honest, Brighton versus Watford is is not something that people are going to, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a page turner. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. By, by getting a match of that magnitude out early, it, it allows the, uh, the the broadcasters to A, fill a, fill a gap in their schedule um, and B, hold things back for uh, the, 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 the clubs that generate the big ratings. Yeah, it's going to be good news for home base as well. That'll be packed with Brighton Watford's on. <laughs> um, in other news, other bird-related news, in fact, and this time it's the cockerels. Um, not brilliant for Tottenham when a hundred million quid's worth of talent decides not to turn up for training. Are, are Manchester City the only English club who can afford Harry Kane? Although, um, although there are rumours though that they're they're still forty million short of Tottenham's asking price. Well, no, no, they are not. Um, Chelsea could equally afford Harry Kane. Um, Chelsea have been selling. Uh, yeah, yeah we, we've spoken about the yeah, Chelsea's sort of uh, conveyor belt of uh, young talent that they sell for uh, fees which go underneath the radar. And yeah, they sold. Yeah, you know, they've, they've sold one of their youth players to to you recently. Mm-hmm. They just sold another one to Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chelsea are in fact the the biggest generators of uh, transfer income uh, in the UK. And, and they've done that over the past five seasons. So they're very clever there. So it's, it's not a problem. Um, I, I think the, the issue is between the player and the club. And, and you, know, you and I, Kevin, we, we've both played Sunday league football where people haven't turned up. Mm. And, and that's normally because of a hangover or they've pulled or both mm. the previous evening. Um, and, yeah, I can't see why Spurs can't do the same. You know, if he turns up sort of half an hour after the match kicks off and says, "Sorry, lads, I'll, I'm okay for the second half," then, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, you know, he should be allowed to, uh, you know, put on the shirt and and come on as a sub. 
Yeah, every team's got at least one player. Whether you don't, you don't mind whether they train or not, you just go, ah, it's fine, it's Harry. As long as he turns up and plays, that's all right. Um, it's interesting what you say about uh, Chelsea there, funny. I was watching Sky uh, Sports News last night and they, they have the, the little sidebar of Premier League clubs, players out, players in. Mm. And, and Chelsea's went, I, I stopped counting at about 22 most <laughs> most of whom were were loans or transfers, young players, and it's it's astonishing the way Chelsea continue to do business that way. Uh, just no matter who's manager, but but this is a story about Tottenham and possibly Man City or Chelsea, and it it looks like Harry's going somewhere. But these are clubs that have got a a, a different wage structure to Spurs because you've indicated in the past that Tottenham's wage structure is is run. On an odd basis, basically, the, the basic wages aren't that high, are they, at Tottenham? It, it is. It is a very heavily incentivized uh, wage structure, and uh, Spurs uh, Spurs only pay forty five pounds in wages for each one hundred pounds that comes through the door, which, from a spreadsheet point of view, from a business point of view, is 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 sensational, and, and they've Ooh. managed to to have the, the the trophy in terms of best wage control in the Premier League, I think, for the last three seasons. Um, but uh, that, that does mean that there is potentially more money on offer elsewhere. Whether that's the driving force, I'm not so certain. Uh, I mean, ultimately, Harry Kane signed a six-year deal three years ago. So he's not got a lot of wiggle room. Mm. Uh, in terms of his ability to to be in breach of contract by not turning up to training, if uh, if, if these stories are true, and, and clearly, given that we've got senior broadcasters such as Sky effectively quoting this verbatim, mm. um, he he is in breach of contract, and therefore he's likely to be subject to sanction by the club. Um, I, I've been in contact with our uh, our very friendly uh, agent, uh, Jonathan. Mm. And he said, if if Harry Kane continues this, then you know the severity of the sanctions could be ramped up. Um, but whether that's in Spurs' interest, you know, ultimately they want to be winning football matches, or they want to be in receipt of a large amount of cash. Um, yeah, that they could end up if if they don't do things the right way, they could end up with neither. So um, we, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. That you know, there's an element of of who blinks first. Mm. Um, yeah, Harry's Kane's agent is his. Looks like it's his brother and his dad. So, uh, mm. you know, do they have um, a lot of experience? I presume that they have been taking legal advice with regards to the nature of of what Harry Kane can do. Um, so, so yeah, that that's where we are. And, and yeah, if people, yeah, if, I, I don't think there's a lot of sympathy for Harry Kane. Uh, you know, he's uh, he. We, we were praising him only in the last podcast for his we commitment yeah. to yeah. Leighton Orient and, and being a shirt sponsor. Um, you know, he, he scored goals in, in the European Championship. Um, so, so what's his driver? Yeah, ultimately, he he's 28 now. When he retires, what does he want to, to look back on? Um, mm. And, uh, you know, players, players want to be associated with success. And mm. rightly or wrongly, the, the Spurs regime isn't, generating that and and we did have sort of the farce of Spurs when they actually managed to get to a cup final sacking the manager six days before the cup final took place mm. and replacing him with a 29 year old and if that's their attitude towards success there's an element of sympathy for the player 
Yeah, it's a shame that producer Guy is so insistent that we only talk about the financial aspect of, of football because it, this is going to taint his memory for for Spurs fans in the, in the way that, you know, if, if Will Sahar was to go and strike it, would yeah, we, every Palace fan understands that he might want uh, one last payday, one last hurrah before he retires. But if he went about it this way, and also the, the, the public spat between Jamie Carragher and Rio Ferdinand about... Harry Kane's behaviour has been fascinating, but um, we can't talk about it, folks. And you, you've got producer guy's email, questions at priceoffootball.com. Uh, ask him why we can't talk about it. And his answer will be because it's called Price of Football, not football. That's, <laughs> that's not how he talks. You'll get a more accurate impression of how he talks when I, in our interview with Rob coming up. Um, north of the border, the two stories involving Rangers – Kieran, that both need a little explaining to me, to be perfectly honest. The first one is that Rangers are charging media outlets up to £25,000 for access to the club next season. Is that is access to the club the same as access to the stadium? Um, well, trying to get to the bottom of this is, is, is a little bit difficult because... I think some of the broadcasters have, are being very coy and don't want to go public. But uh, I think it was Mike Keegan at the Mail said that Rangers have now said that um, they will allow uh, media partners a partner package, the first of which for, for £25,000, you get a five exclusive interviews with players over the course of the season. And uh, secondly, you'll get a sit down with Stevie G. Wow. Uh, now, I think most, you know, most journalists and, and most media outlets would say, you know, we're suffering in the, from the pandemic just as well, just as much as anybody else. Where are we going to find twenty five yeah. grand from if if we're a, you know, if we're a, if we're a newspaper, we're struggling for, for to sell print copies. Advertising revenues are down, um, and there's sort of a there's a symbiotic relationship between the media and football clubs. Um, you know, they they can they can be a positive on each other. Football sells newspapers, and newspapers keep up fans' interest in the football club. So that's it, it. Seems a strange. It's a stra- strange angle from Rangers. They've also mm. said for ten thousand pounds, you get one exclusive interview, and I think it allows you to ele- to attend matches with a, a reporter and a photographer and attend the pre-match press conference. Now, I don't know whether it's the, the post-match press conference. That that could be under SPFL rules that anybody can attend. I mean, I've, I've not followed the, the, the true intricacies of it. The, the trouble is, you know, there's no doubt that Rangers are in the ascendancy as far as Scottish mm. football is concerned. They, uh, they won the Premiership last season, Rightly so, by by country mile, by being the best club in the in the country. Um, Celtic have lost their first match of the season. Rangers have won theirs. Um, you know, Celtic appear to be in disarray. So, is this a case of Rangers trying to use a bit of leverage, trying to get money from as many sources as possible? The trouble is, if they then come up against, uh, if they then have a bad run this season the press who have not been allowed to have access, they're going to be sharpening their knives. And mm. this this could come back to, to bite Rangers on the bum for yeah, – they'll say, see it, well, you know, if, if we get 10 or 20 of these deals, then then we're talking you know, a significant amount of money and it's justified. Um, yeah, uh, uh, that, that there are sections of the, the media that 
don't exactly cover themselves in glory at times, but ultimately, you know, I think we're in we're believers in 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 free communication and a free press. Mm, it, it's interesting you use the word bite there, Kira, because I I know a lot of people in in TV sports broadcasting, and I know a lot of um, football journalists on yep. both the broadsheets and the tabloids, and the consensus amongst all of them is you don't mess with the tabloids. And mm. a, a quote that somebody gave me was, if you don't want to get bitten, then you need to feed the dogs, basically. And it, this strikes me as a, a, a risky. And, and it, it, I'm sure Rangers fans will be thinking, well, £25,000 not a lot of money. But those, they are vindictive. All the tabloid journalists I know are amongst some of the most vindictive people I've ever met in my life. You'll have noticed I nearly said vindictive bastards because that is essentially what they are. And they won't forget this, and it seems a, a, a risky, a risky strategy. And also, there's a, a, another story, which has broken in the last couple of days, that Rangers have got public beef, as, as I believe the young people would say. We're <laughs> uh, down with the kids tonight, Kevin. I, I, I just, I just, I was just looking over my shoulder to make sure Ed wasn't listening to that, as he would be. <laughs> his, eye, <laughs> his, his eyebrows have similar vertical lift-off uh, abilities to his mother. Uh, if you heard me say the public beef, uh, yeah, but Rangers are unhappy with the sponsors of the of the the Premier League in Scotland, aren't they? Which is an odd stance. Yes, I mean uh, we we spoke to Neil Doncaster, and Neil's always been very straight down the line with us, trying he's, to he's get the, the boss of Scottish football. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's the chief executive of of uh, Scottish football. Um, you know, trying to get a good long term deal for Scottish football involves patience and negotiation. So so last year, there wasn't a sponsor. Um, I think there was uh, a, an, an ideal of potentially not having a gambling-related sponsor. I, th- I think uh, you know, the football authorities are aware of some of the, the criticism of the close links between the industry mm. um, and the gambling industry. So, uh, so they, they signed a deal with the the online car retailer called Cinch, mm. which which irritatingly spells itself with a lowercase c, um, mm. and not okay. in a comedy way, uh, oh, as in so. your book where you insisted on spelling Brighton with a lowercase b, which <laughs> which you know for comic effect, I've I've. I'm fully in favour of that. that that's what I'd, I'd expect nothing less. Yeah, I, I insisted on it. The editor said it was immature. Um, well, it, that's it, why it, that's why we're on this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. We, well, it turned out it wasn't so much me being in, immature as Brighton having more independent bookshops than any other city in the uh, in the country, uh, ah. y- yard for yard, meter for meter. And I pointed out to him that the sort of independent bookshops you get in Brighton are unlikely to stock my <laughs> light-hearted football book. Anyway, and then I remembered that I still got the hump that Brighton is a city in the first place, and Croydon isn't. So that conversation meandered down a back alley the same way this one has done. So let's let's <laughs> let's reverse the vehicle out and, and go back to where Cinch is being spelt with a small c. Yes, so um, it, it's an online car dealership. It's all that they're they're part of the group that also owns the very irritating We Buy Any Car um, <laughs> uh, organization. Yeah. Um, so uh, they signed a five-year sponsorship deal worth £8 million. So that's £1.6 million per season. Um, and at a time when every club in Scotland is, you know, has, has done well to survive, uh, the, the, you know, the, 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 the waves of the pandemic and, and the issues in, in relation to lockdown, uh, mm. you know, every pound is welcome. Um, 
And uh, you know, as part of the deal, in in the post match interviews, you, you know, they 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 stand in front of those perspex signs with yes. with sponsor yeah. names. Yeah. Um, well, there's got to be one for Cinch there because they are the league sponsor, and also um, they they have to have uh, a, a sleeve sponsor, you know, with mm. with the name Cinch on. So yeah, that's all part of the package. And then Rangers say, yeah, yeah we're not going to go along with that. So it was uh, Rangers uh, had their first home game of the season uh, on Saturday. They, they, they were successful. They were victorious. But there was no sign of the, the arm sponsor and there was no sign of the, the, uh, the, the backdrop sponsor. Mm. So, so then you, you look a little bit further and the Rangers chairman is a guy called Douglas Park. And Douglas Park uh, has a car dealership. Ah. So this could be seen so, you know, from his perspective, he will say, why should I be seen to be supporting a rival business to my own? Mm. Um, so yeah, there is now a genuine fear um, you know, in, in Scottish circles that uh, Cinch might say, well, hold on, you know, ultimately you – know, one of the main drivers for this is that Rangers and Celtic are the two clubs which generate the highest viewing figures. Mm. Um, if uh, if we're going to lose access to one of those, if one of those aren't going to play ball, you're in breach of contract. We can rip up, potentially rip it up and walk away, which leaves Scottish football in a mess um, from a financial point of view. So um, there's there's history between Rangers and the SPFL, as, as we're mm. aware, because of you know the, the historic punishments that have been meted out, and, and people within Rangers feel that those were uh, unduly harsh. Um, you know, is it a case of Rangers trying to uh, you know use some leverage uh, to to get some points across? So clearly, clubs like Rangers and Celtic, Hearts and Hibs are not themselves signatories to this deal between the. Scottish football authorities and and since then this is a, a deal that's not, not imposed on them but this is a deal done around them rather than with them well it, it's done on their behalf through the collective that is the SPFL in in a similar right. way that uh you know Palace or Manchester United or Brighton or Liverpool they're not responsible for the Premier League's TV deal that's just been signed that we we, we opened the show with so, right. um, but they 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 say to the uh, you know, they say to Richard Masters or Scottish Football says to Neil Doncaster, um, you are there to negotiate on our behalf, right? So as, as a collective, w- yeah. W- would would the contract then with the sponsors not include financial penalties for clubs that refuse to play ball? It could do. It could right. do um, un- unless nobody thought that this would be an issue because you know, you know we've never seen a premier league club turn around and say yeah yeah we're not we're not we're not we're not going to accept the uh you know the, the 3 million pounds a year that we get from from tv we're similar to that situation um, in the last couple of years of alex ferguson's reign at man united when he went through that phase of refusing to talk to uh the bbc and of course that was in breach of contract but nobody at the bbc had the guts to tell him that basically or to impose a fine so maybe rangers kind of think they're too big to impose punishment on but that'll be one to have a look at now i slightly panicked when i saw the um headline for our next news story because it said legal it said legal action and i thought i thought maybe gary rowett ex-birmingham manager <laughs> hadn't let us get away with our claim that he has a calculator fetish that we talked about. <laughs> um, 
But luckily, <laughs> luckily, except for the journalist concerned, luckily it turned out that Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich is suing a British journalist. That seems a bit extreme. Do we know why? Um, yes, this is this is a book written by uh, Catherine Belton. Uh, it is called Putin's People. Uh, it is a, a best-selling book. And um, there were inferences that um, uh, Roman Abramovich was acting at the behest of Vladimir Putin uh, mm. you know, as a way of soft power, of, of, you know, of getting favour uh, in terms of building up a reputation, you know, a relationship with, with mm. other countries, with people in the West and so on, through through buying a football club. So uh, it, it looks like it's going to be an obscenely expensive legal case. Um, you know, to me, it, it's the equivalent of somebody phoning up the local police because hey, somebody's called me a slag on Facebook and, and I'm offended and so on, except we're, we're dealing with lots of zeros. Mm. Um, but, you know, British libel laws are, you know, probably some of the fiercest in the world. Mm, yeah. Um, they're certainly some of the most lucrative in the world um, from from a financial perspective in, in terms of the, the fines. Um, the reason why we have never... Uh, we, we've never we've recorded, but we've never published or, or uh, the wrongans top ten mm. is that uh, producer guy turns white um, mm. at the very thought of that actually you know going out into the public domain. Um, although, as far as I'm concerned, it's just an opinion piece. Um, yeah, to be fair to producer guy, um, he he did turn pale, but he did also take. Um, Quite high up. I'm not. I'm trying to think of the correct legal term. It's not high up, is it? The quite, um, quite professional legal advice that um, indicated to him that us just willy nilly bandying the word wrong and about could cost him some some money in libel and slander. But you're, you're, I've, yeah, you're quite right. But it's it, the British libel laws are um, something you should talk to Ian Hislop about. He's, he has very strong views on them. But it, it's a sledgehammer to crack a nut, isn't it? Because, I mean, basically what Roman Abramovich does here is draw attention to the accusations in, a, in far more than would otherwise have done so. Yes. Uh, you know, Roman Abramovich no longer lives in the UK yeah. because he had a separate effective dispute with the government with regards to his visa and all. Um, and I think it does take away that he has done... You know, an awful lot of good, especially in terms of you know raising the profile of anti-Semitism, um, which has which is a scourge in certain aspects of London football, as we know, and we, and we you and I both know which clubs we're talking about. Yeah, 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 and it's an odd one, isn't it? Because he has done very good, very good work in the Russian region that he's from and of which he was mayor. But, you know, the BBC themselves in the Panorama investigation made some fairly bold claims that he didn't respond to. So it's it's an interesting one. And, mm. it's again, this is one that we'll keep an eye on um, and one that does make us probably be a bit more careful in the next two pods until we forget all about it and then <laughs> randomly call somebody a wrong one. Um, our final news story is, is off the back of the one we mentioned on uh, Monday's pod about Manchester City's legal fight with the Premier League over alleged breaches of rules um, could, according to several sources, take years to sort out. Yes, and uh, this is this is again, you know, trebles all round from the silver tongued <laughs> fraternity um, at the prospect of this. Um, there is pressure 
on the Premier League from the other 19 clubs to uh, enforce the rules with regards to financial fair play. Um, there was there's an article from Nick Harris in the Mail, um, and he'd he'd been speaking to a, a former fairly senior um, Manchester City employee called Stefan Borson, who said, mm. uh, "You know, Manchester City will uh, will defend themselves to the hilt." Um, uh, we, we've seen in respect of the UEFA charges against Manchester City, they they took years to to come to court. Or come you know, come to fruition. Then there was an appeal. Uh, we saw with uh, QPR uh, in relation to their financial fair play settlement that took four years from uh, you know, the, the, the date they were promoted to when they were they were sanctioned. We've got ongoing issues with our friends at Derby County. Uh, you mm. know, they've not published their accounts since 2018. Mm. Um, we know that there is the the, the ongoing battle over amortisation. Although I think they, they have to submit their accounts, it's either by the either fifteenth or the eighteenth of of August, uh, so they're under pressure. But that is something which drags on and on. Um, and these are clubs that that don't have the the deep pockets and and the sense of aggrievement necessarily that Manchester City feel with regards mm. to their relationship with uh, the Premier League and these charges. Now, Kieran, last time we interviewed Rob Angus, he was an emotional man. He was a donkey on the edge. He was vice chairman of Swindon Town Supporters Club and Swindon Town's future was precarious. Now, things are very different. Rob, this is a very unprofessional way to start any interview on a podcast, but you've got your club back. We have, Kevin, yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great feeling to... To have the have the club back, um, you know, have somebody who's going to has promised for positive engagement, um, transparency, and openness. Yeah, last time we spoke, um, it was on Zoom, Rob, so we could see you pacing up and down in a state of some agitation. So I can't see you now, but I imagine you're sitting back, relaxed, in a big chair in your fancy office. <laughs> well, um, I'm not sure sitting back and relaxed because because it's been manic and there's lots to do, but I've got a big smile on my face for sure. I bet you have. And before we continue, right, we should point out that the, the new owner, Clem Morfuni, he hasn't just picked you at random. You, you from the supporters trust, you do have experience and skills, don't you? So tell us a little bit about your your background and why you were suitable for this for this position. Yeah, sure. So, so I've worked at uh, Nationwide Building Society for over twenty five years. I've worked in uh, finance roles, um, strategy roles. I've, I've run um, business lines for Nationwide. Um, so number of different roles over those years and, and in, you know, what we would call senior executive positions for the last 12 years or so. Um, so quite a bit of history and I've worked very closely with, with, with Clem, um, when he was, if you like, on the club side of the supporters trust trying to acquire the county ground, uh, and working with the, the local council as well, Sunder Borough Council. So I think through, through those discussions and, and, um, negotiations. I think uh, Glenn saw the skills that I could bring to to, to the role. Uh, I think he also wanted to make a, a illustrate a point to the, the the fans and the broader community that he's serious when he means he wants openness, transparency, and engagement with supporters. And you know, to to make a, a point that he wants a supporter running the club for it. it I, I'm not entirely sure how to conduct this interview, Rob, because it's it's unusual for us a happy ending. It's it's brilliant when we get to speak to people when it's been resolved 
properly but remind us and remind some of our new listeners briefly if possible what what went on to cause this and and how this outcome came about well sure so, so obviously um Lee Power acquired the club back in 2014, actually, after a court case with Jed McCrory, who had, Jed McCrory, who had come in uh, after Andrew Black of Betfair uh, fame and found and had, had decided he, he'd had enough of, of funding the football club. Um, and over you know, a number of years, um, Lee, Lee Power, sort of the fans and supporters trusting Lee Power, sort of dissipated with a lack of transparency and engagement. Um, Clem Morfuni actually initially, who's, a, who's him himself, said he's a huge football nut, really, uh, both as a supporter and, um, and a fan, uh, was looking to sponsor a football club and, and, they, and got in contact with Lee Power back in uh, 2015. They were first introduced and he initially sponsored the club uh, for a number of years. Um, and then Lee Power invited him to invest in the club and become a minority shareholder, uh, which he did uh, in around about um, 2017. Um, and then he, he started to engage with the supporters uh, groups and the supporters trust. And we started to talk to him and we sort of said, do you, do you know what you're doing and who you're dealing with? And he was like, yeah, don't worry, I've, I've dealt with uh, worse in, you know, construction trade and the Australian uh, construction market because, you know, his business is a construction business, um, access services group and predominantly mechanical and engineering, but other elements of construction as well. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we hit it off and, and he would, you know, promise to, to sort out the openness and engagement. Um, but then then he had disputes with Lee Power over getting his shareholding uh, when he uh, paid the money over uh, and getting the transparency as to what, what losses he was funding. He then found out uh, that another owner uh, allegedly owning 50% of the club, Michael Standing, uh, and legal action pursued in terms of Claymore Fooney getting his shareholding confirmed. And then, you know, I think he joined forces really with Michael Standing as they both sort of saw they feel like they'd been wronged in, in their view from Lee Power and took action against Lee Power to, um, to try and wrestle back and control the club. Um, the court action between Michael Standing and Lee Power continues in terms of Michael Standing's claim that he owns 50% of the club because, you know, there are monies that, that, that Clem has paid over to Lee Power for the club. And I guess, you know, depending on the outcome of that case, some of that is due to Michael Standing. And there are other assets that Lee Power owns that, 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 that Michael Standing claims are partly his, including a training ground that Lee Power acquired, um, you know, a few years back. Hi, I'm Steve Lamarck, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. But just to reassure any anxious Swindon fans out out there that this takeover is is done and dusted. The eyes are the eyes are dotted, the t's are crossed, and Clem Morfuni now owns the club. Yes, that, that that's right. that's right, Kevin. So so there was a you know a, Lee Power was looking to either put the club into administration or sell to a, a, apparently American group called Able, who no one could really find anything about, and supporters trust tried to engage but didn't get any response. 
the judge basically said to Lee Power that, you know, administration was an option because you had a willing buyer, a willing buyer in Glenmore Fooney and the Axis Group, um, and therefore administration was not an option. And if he was to sell, he would have to sell to Glenmore Fooney and Axis. Mm. Now I'm not sure Lee Power fully understand that because he then looked to try and sell to Abel, uh, believing that Glenmore Fooney only had the ability to buy his minority shareholding, but actually Glenmore Fooney had a preemption right to buy if, he, if, if the club was being sold to match, um, you know, any amount and to buy the whole amount. Uh, and therefore, you know, Lee Power made the offer with Abel. Clenmore Fooney and Axis Group matched that offer, exercised their preemption rights and the, and the club was there, then, then sold. Um, and, you know, subject to the fellow approval of owners and directors test, which took a little bit of time mm. uh, and quite a bit of, uh, of, of rigour, um, Clem was able to take control of the club. So ultimately, it happened really through an error from Lee Power understanding the um, preemption rights that, that Clem Morphoony and the Axis Group had. Hmm. I, I want to talk a little in a moment about the, the mood around the club uh, uh, as it stands and what your plans are for the future. But producer Guy doesn't like it when interviews become, uh, as he puts it, bloody lovings. Right. So I just just for producer guy, is there anybody apart from Lee Power who doesn't think that this is the right outcome? That thought there were other options were available, or would you would you say that ninety nine point nine percent of Swindon fans are at this moment on a scale of one to ten ten happy? I think at this moment ninety nine point nine percent of fans are you know at a scale of of ten happy. Obviously, there's there's a lot of work to do. The club, uh, you know, Clem, you know, I myself inherit the club in, in a lot of debt. Um, you know, it, we, we estimate that's between three and a half, four million pounds. We're still working that right. through and that's to external creditors. And then there are the monies that Lee Power will claim he's owed in the director's loan account and the benches that he's acquired from previous owners, Andrew Black and Sir Martin Arbib. So we, we're expecting, you know, something might come down the line on that. We don't know. Um, so there's a lot of debt for us to, to, to work through and start paying off. Um, so a lot of work to do. And whilst Clem has already, you know, invested pretty close to a seven-figure fund, figure uh, sum in the last couple of weeks or 11 days that we've been in to make sure the wages are paid, to make sure key suppliers are paid and key creditors are paid, there's still a lot to, a lot to go. Mm. And we're still, you know, uncovering things. Uh, and, and, you know, the club, you know, needs the, the fans and supporters to rally around and buy season tickets and buy matchday tickets and shirts so that, you know, we're all in it, you know, working together. And it's, we're not just relying on burning bigger and bigger holes from Glenn Mulfooney's pocket because, you know, he's not a sugar daddy. He's, he's, he's got a connection. He's, he's built a, a love for Swindon Town over the last seven years. Um, but he's not got endless pockets. Uh, Kieran, can I bring you in there um, just to explain what debentures are? Just asking for a friend. Yeah, debentures, uh, it, it's a posh word for a loan. Oh, okay. It, it's, right. it's effectively the football right. club gives somebody a piece of paper, uh, which is an IOU, and uh, the, the other party gives them cash. Right. Uh, Rob, you, you, Clem Morfuni himself said that you inherit the club in an extremely difficult set of circumstances. Uh, but so far, have you found that the day-to-day running of the club was was sort of fairly okay, that that ticked over, or is that going to need a complete overhaul as well, do you think? 
Well, I mean, the, the, the real issue having inherited is that it's been, it's been devoid of leadership for a few months. Um, you know, very few bills have been paid during that time. You know, we inherited the, the fact that BFL and PFA got together to ensure that staff got paid 60% of the wages for, for June, you know, um, in early July. Um, we've now, all of the balance of the June wages have been paid. The July wages were paid early. Um, so the staff there, though, have been fantastic. You know, the, the backroom staff have been working, um, you know, on an unpaid basis have been, you know, amazing, keeping the club going. Uh, the, you know, the coaching staff that were left, the goalkeeping coach, Steve Mildenhall and uh, one of the academy coaches, Lee Peacock, both ex, you know, Swindon players, you know, again, you know, have, have tried to take what few professional players we had mm. and the academy teams to try and start the pre-season all without being paid and with a huge amount of uncertainty as to when this takeover would go through. So they've done an amazing job, but devoid of, of any money to pay anything and, and any leadership. So um, I think they've done the best job they can and they've responded, you know, brilliantly to, uh, you know, Clem coming in and, and myself as well. And we are getting back on track. We had our had home friendly at the county ground on Saturday and we got mm. things ready for that. It was a bit close, but we got there uh, and obviously got the first uh, game, which is away, which is probably helps us a bit and gives us a bit more time before our first home game against Carlisle on the 14th of August. You sent rather an inspiring message to the fans before that last pre-season friendly. Uh, and specifically, you, you talked about setting a target of 6,000 season tickets. How's that going? Yeah, it's 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 going well. I think we're we're, we're at 1500 right now. We've had issues, so um, and I think for reasons that that that, that yourselves on this pod have covered previously, uh, we're having issues with the card acquiring companies because of the financial credibility of mm. of Swindon Town historically, and because of issues of Barry and and COVID. The card acquiring companies are either wanting a, a million pounds bond or withholding uh, the monies that they take on season tickets until the matches are paid. And obviously at this moment, the, the club needs cash flow to come in so that it can, you know, rebuild the team. It can make sure it meets the salary management cap protocols. So at the moment we're selling those season tickets through, you know, windows at the back of the, uh, back of the stand. So old style, if you like, we've got <laughs> telephone options going up, which will be up tomorrow. And we'll have a financing option via direct debit. So a minimum of three payments or, or nine payments that will be online later this week. Um, we, we will we'll explore other options as well. So we've sort of gone uh, gone a bit retro, really, on the season tickets so that we can make them available, get people, you know, to buy them. But it, the card acquiring option, because of those issues, with the, understandably, the, the liability those card acquiring company takes on uh, with the chargebacks that, that, that could hit them, you know, that, that, has, that yeah. has been a roadblock for us. Do you know what, as a Palace fan... I, I would happily take up the option of queuing around the car park to get my season ticket if it was available. And I think a lot of fans would be happy to do that as well, wouldn't they? It's, it's kind of old school, but that, most football fans are, aren't they? Yeah, I and mean, we've seen a good supply of demand. Swindon is, uh, is, a, is a team that does, though, have a lot of uh, support outside of the town. So around yeah. Wiltshire, it's the only professional club in Wiltshire. Expects into you know into Gloucestershire, Oxfordshire, and Berkshire, almost like a thirty-mile radius, uh, as well as the rest of the whole of Wiltshire. So there are quite a lot of supporters who come from outside of the town, which is why important that we we, we do try and give them uh, an online option and uh, get the telephone lines open. So I think we'll have four lines open uh, tomorrow. Um, it's been a bit a bit of a work, um, as I say, you know, 
and really there's quite a skeleton staff. There's not loads of people left because, uh, but the ones that left when they, you know, haven't been paid for a month or so, you know, they are dedicated sports Swindon fans working mm. really, really hard for the club. Again, every football fan knows that every club has got people like that, people that are there through the good times and the bad. And it, it's it's quite often them that we talk about on this pod when, when there's a, a good outcome. It's for people like that who who live for the club. But you've, you're right, you've got a sort of strange transfer embargo. It's like a double transfer embargo going on at the moment. Tell us why that is and how you go about resolving that. Yeah, sure. So, so the the double embargo, the, one of the embargoes is the fact that we've taken uh, the hardship uh, loans, if you like. I think it's the, the monitored loan, they call them, um, which has been taken from the FL. Um, so that, that makes a restriction on the amount of wages that you can, you can pay. Um, it's about £1,300 in League Two. And, uh, you know, I think those, those, those numbers are, you know, are, are public um, domain. Um, and um, the, the other um, um, embargo was in relating to the fact that the club hadn't paid wages. It uh, didn't have a payment plan with HMRC. It, it didn't have a payment plan with the rent over to the council who owned the county grounds, a guarantee of the pitch being provided. Um, and it also hadn't submitted its financial forecast for the salary management cap sort of um, protocol uh, forecast. Uh, the good news is we had confirmation from the EFL in the last 24 hours or so that the all of the restrictions in respective wages, HMIC payment plan, the council uh, confirmation and repayment plan, and the um, the salary ma- management cap protocol and forecast, we, we've ticked all those off and done those. So Brilliant. those elements of the embargo have been lifted, which means that we can sign loan players for, for a year because it was six months restricted and that does restrict you. And we can off- offer contracts for more than one year as well. But we're, while we're still having the £1 million monitored loan, we're still under the, uh, the wage cap restriction. Mm. Um, but it, and it's a difficult balance act because we're still, you know, we've got unknown unknowns out there to to quote, you know, a famous American politician <laughs> one time. Um, and and the monitored loans, the hardship loans, you know, they are interest free. Uh, as we understand it, the wage restrictions start for a year. So it's understanding when we decide to repay those, knowing that we could still be, you know, lifting up. Um, you know, opening cupboards and you know skeletons dropping out. So that's a balancing act that that we're mm. taking right now. As um, you know, hopefully more cash flow comes into the club that it, it generates revenue as well as you know burning a hole in in Clemore Fooney's pockets. Mm. I, I notice that in one of your interviews, inclusion and access is something that you feel strongly about. And just from what you said earlier on in our conversation, it's clear that these are things that are important to you. But are, are these things that the club haven't done enough? for in the past do you think yeah i mean we we've had when i was in the trust we had dialogue with um, the disabled supports club for, for swindon town and uh, they told us some stories that you know they've pretty much been ignored really um and not really looked after so one of the things that, that we've immediately done is is get the, the, the chairly of, of that group to come over and meet uh clem Morfuni and i at the ground and we went through and, and looked at some immediate improvements that we can make uh, for our disabled supporters, we have an aim to make the stadium as accessible as we possibly can and, and very inclusive for our supporters to, to to attend. You know, I've got I've got two children with autism. One of them uh, autism with a learning disability. I'm keen to make sure that we 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 make our stadium as accessible as possible, and we welcome all supporters. Um, you know, from all their sort of backgrounds, and and really make sure that the disabled supporters would come in and, and can have an enjoyable day and, and, and get decent facilities. We've still got a lot of work to do, 
Um, but we've done some immediate things that we can work through in terms of, you know, fixing leaking roofs on, you know, you know in, in the covered areas that, that we've got at the county ground and looking to make some impre- immediate improvements before, you know, working through other improvements that we can make, which will be more of a, a longer term thing, which will uh, be a bit more structural and take a bit more time. But it's, it's very much a aim that we, we make the county ground as accessible as possible for all. That's brilliant. Um, Palace in the last couple of years turned one of the executive boxes into a, a quiet room for autistic kids, and it's kind of it took a bit of explaining to people. But when you when you see it, you understand why it's important, and then you understand why it's important that other clubs do the same thing as well. It's because there's there's more to do from all of us on those that angle, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and that's a fantastic example from from Palace in terms of doing that. Um, it's really good, um, and you know, again. You know, in time, we'd like to do something similar and, and, and as I said, make, make the, the, the stadium and, and the match day experience accessible mm. for all and, and a great day out for, for all the family from very diverse um, backgrounds, you know, um, so, so that, you know, people really enjoy their day out. Mm. New owner, Clem Morthuni, and new chief executive, you, uh, have talked about, uh, and I quote, turning things around. In your head, do you have a more specific definition of what that might entail and do you sort of break that down into into achievable targets or do you just kind of will you just kind of know by instinct when you've turned things around well i think we've got a we've got a plan that we look to stabilize this year get the club on a a sound financial footing a found uh you know running behind the scenes footing and a sound playing footing uh so that's the sort of the key aim sort of stabilization and then look to build from there and and move the club out of League Two and into League One, and then and and then build again. Um, so that's very much, if you like, the plan that we're we're looking to sort of lay down. It is, you know, it is a um, hundred miles an hour right now. The, the the pace pace is really fast as we, you know, we're starting the season way behind many other clubs. You know, the head coach was was appointed only sort of ten days ago, uh, and we started really with with really about five or six you know contracted sort of professionals that were that were turning up at that sort of stage and I think we're up to uh, about 10 now and, and we'll probably be up to the dozen ahead of the game on Saturday um, you know we've got a great director of football in Ben Shorley who's got a um, you know great talent spot and lots of good contacts so uh, but you know the, the team have hardly trained together you know they've not probably gone to the same fitness so um, that's going to take time to get back together um, equally, you know, the improvements that we want to make are going to take time as well. So it is stabilisation before, um, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, a, a promotion charge the following year and stabilise the club in League One and, and then look to progress again. You, you obviously love your club, uh, Rob. You've been a fan since you were five, I think it was. You've been part of the Supporters Trust during what we can only describe as a battle. How weird is it going to be the first home game when you're sitting there as the chief executive of the football club that you've loved all your life? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, we had a friendly on Saturday against uh, Peter at home and we, we had, uh, you know, a good number about just over two and a half thousand there. And, and, and that was quite a, a surreal experience. Um, I think one of my uh, former colleagues and bosses actually at Nationwide uh, referred to me as it must be, this must be like you're living a dream. Mm. Um, and it is, and it is degree that that was a good um, analogy that he that, that he that he that he came through or, or reference there. Uh, and I think you know, hopefully the the home game against Colar on the fourteenth, and we're really hoping that we can we can get ten thousand in the stadium. We're really gonna we're gonna push it 
uh, it will be a very emotional uh, and fantastic um, day as we do that. I, I think it's really important that the people who own the club, the people who run the club are fans of the club, but does it give you that extra level of pressure? The fact that you love this club so much and you're now directly involved with turning it round, or is that something you welcome or is it something you think, oh, do you know what? I wouldn't mind just being a fan again for a, a year or two. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I welcome that pressure. I almost welcome the challenge as well, that I'm I'm going to hold, you know, Clem to account for his um, statements on transparency, engagement, openness and my own, you know, uh, statements on that as a trust member uh, and make sure that, that, that I hold myself to account on that. And, and I know the supporters trust will, will do that with me as well. I think the one bit I think, Kevin, that in terms that on this is, is being in the town end with my, my <laughs> son, yeah. uh, I, I, you know, and rather watching, if you like, from having to watch, if you like, from um, more posher seats. So that is going to be something that take a little bit used to, um, you know, I went down and saw my son before the game on uh, last Saturday and at half time. And saw him as if he was there with uh, with with his granddad, um, but uh, so that's a bit that I'll I'll miss a bit not being able to get into the the town end with the with the the rest of the fans and uh, really cheer loudly in the, in, in the team. And you're going to have to stay sober till about seven o'clock at night as well. I know, I know that is <laughs> that's one thing I, I I did notice, despite the fact that you know there's. Plenty of uh, beer available, uh, needing to sort of stay sober and being, you know, running around and making sure everything's sort of working means you don't really get the, to get the, to get the chance to sort of have the urge. Uh, finally, Rob, do you have a message for fans at other clubs that are currently going through a similar situation that your club went through in, in previous months and years? Yeah, look, I think, you know, you know, keep doing what you're doing, keep pushing for transparency, openness and engagement. Try and work positively and proactively uh, with the ownership and and uh, and, and illustrate the benefits. Uh, again, you know, if you if you if you're not really seeing that response, then keep the pressure on and keep going. You know, this has taken a long time for us to get to this position. Um, you know, and and having a new dawn and a new era with Glenmore Fooney as owner. Um, so it's a long process, but keep going. Be persistent. Uh, and I know the Swindon Town Supporters Trust, Trust STFC, would, would be keen to engage with other trusts and, uh, and provide support and insight. We, we had some great um, support and insight from uh, Blackpool Supporters Trust um, when we were dealing the no, the, the, the no power, no Lee power, um, uh, no money, no power campaign. And we've had some good engagement with, with, with Northampton and Swansea Supporters Trust. So I think you know, stick together, stick at it and, and, and keep, keep driving for that openness, engagement and transparency. Well, I, I can't tell you how happy we are. It's, it's, it's been a fantastic story. It's been a joy to, to watch social media over the past few days to see the explosion of joy from Swindon fans. Obviously, there will be moments because football fans are football fans. You lose, you, you know, you come December and you lose on Boxing Day and everyone's going to be moaning. But it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant, brilliant story. And it just shows that in the end, you mess with fans at your peril, basically, that the clubs belong to us. Swindon belongs to you, not somebody with money who wants to make it their plaything. And it's, it's, this has been a brilliant outcome, and we really wish you all the best for the, the season to come. Thank you, Kevin. Much appreciated. Thank you, Kieran. And thanks for all your support. It's been really appreciated. <laughs> Kieran, uh, William Wordsworth described poetry as emotion recollected in tranquility 
and there's a, there's a sense of that now from Rob that 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 turbulence that grief that worry about the future of his club is in the past he's determined to make things better and it's remarkable Kieran what can happen when football fans are roused to action yes it's uh I'm absolutely delighted for everybody connected uh with uh, Swindon Town with the exception of one individual who who I'll just go by the name of Voldemort I think <laughs> um yeah. so yeah Rob, Rob's Rob's a genuinely good guy yeah you know, first of all, so um, it's good to see good people um, succeed. Um, it's also good to hear that, you know, the relationship between fan groups, uh, you know, he, he'd been in contact with, with our good friends at uh, Blackpool who, who had yep, made sacrifices yeah. with a broadly similar um, issue to do with their former owner, who, um, for reasons which I can't say, I'm not prepared to say what he used to do, mm-hmm. um, but uh, he, he he wasn't a very nice man. Mm. And um, I, I'm I'm absolutely delighted to sh- to see that uh, through persuasion, pushing, using using the law smartly, um, Swindon Town su- supporters now have a club to support which they feel can be in their name for mm. the following season. Um there's an awful lot of work to do. I, I I'm I know from my own experience at Brighton when we thought that we'd escaped from our former owner who um I would quite happily call a wrong'un. Mm. Um you know we 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 were crap for years. And mm. it's and and you and there are times when you when you're on the you know you you're getting stuffed four nil at home by Rochdale. You think, why did we go through this? Why didn't we just go and chuck in the towel? Mm. But what I would say to Swindon fans is, just keep keep on going through the tough times. Um, there will be some, you know, they they've got a lot of catching up to do. Be patient and celebrate that you've got a, fan, a club to support. Yeah, I, I didn't really like to throw this in during the interview because I didn't want to spoil the mood. Much as I know, guy likes us to be more journalistic sometimes but it was a celebration that interview but he, he Rob did sort of indicate when he talked about worrying what would happen when you open certain cupboard doors he did hint that Lee Power Voldemort could still cause some mischief in future if he chose to do yes um there, there there will be there is an outstanding director's current account mm. um so therefore there is money owed to lee power how much that is uh, is uncertain uh, if anybody has ever followed the the travails of bolton wanderers uh, and their relationship with their former owner ken anderson um the claims can be quite large for for the amount of money involved and uh here you've 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 got to put in, you know, the hard yards in terms of following the money, following the cash trails, and so on to get accuracy. Um, if, uh, if if there are outstanding loans which Lee Power has bought from other people, then he could be ultimately the recipient of those as well. Mm. So um, it, it's going to be a long and slow process. And uh, if if Lee Power decides to try to enforce things as quickly as possible, it it could cause more bumps in the road. But you know, hopefully they are just bumps in the road. Mm. And there's one other thing I want to mention, because unfortunately uh, it came off when we, were, when we were off air, 
um, and that is that Don Rogers, the legend that is Don Rogers, has now become an ambassador of the club in recent days. And also that Rob had told Don Rogers that I have a picture of him on my wall and Don Rogers was really pleased and I was I, I blushed. The fact that Don Rogers knows that I've got a picture of him on my wall makes me very happy. Um, and for younger fans of both Swindon and Palace, Google him and you'll understand why he was such a legend to us all. Now, Kieran, our next po- that sounded very that sounded very lovely then, didn't I? No, no, but uh, right, rightly right, so. What, why why can't you have you know, it's, a, no, it's an a, affection for a former player who who meant so much to you? I, I see nothing wrong with that. It's I've, just I've got a I'm, picture of Glenn Murray in my toilet. Uh, well, well, okay. Let's not pick at that, Fred. Um, <laughs> that reminds me, by the way, I've got a, somebody sent me a Peter Ward T-shirt for some reason that, to pass on to you. I, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to pass it on to you very quickly. No, it's just the way I said legend. I sounded like Craig Revel Horde when I said he was such a legend, darling. Um, <laughs> uh, I am a terrible lovey at heart, to be perfectly honest. I just hide it beneath this South London veneer. Uh, our next pod, of course, is on Monday, and it's questions. So if you have one for us about any aspect of football finance, then email us on questions at priceoffootball.com. And if you'd like to make a small contribution to our always free-to-air pod, then please go to patreon.com forward slash priceoffootball. And in the meantime, I shall leave you for our customary farewell in the hands of Kieran Maguire. Well, thanks again, folks, for the feedback. Um, you know, you take us to task when we get things wrong, and, and we... Yeah, we, we we take it on board. I know I said something about Lewisham Council and West Ham, which was a which was a major own goal from me um on the Monday show. But it but it's good. It keeps us on our toes. Um if you enjoy the show, tell your friends, uh try to persuade people to to follow the show. We we, we do uh, we, we do appreciate it. Um and if you can give us five stars on that uh, that purple apple icon. Um, and uh, write whatever you want. You, you can give us the five stars and write something rude about us. It makes no difference. It helps us in the charts and it helps us to uh, have a bit of credibility. We're hoping to be speaking to Tracy Crouch soon. So we, with that, that particular uh, interview has not gone away. Tracy, uh, quite rightly, has been uh, extremely busy with regards to the fan-led review, and, and she's entitled to a break, as as is everybody else. So uh, just be patient, and uh, we're, in, we're in current talks. Yeah, our appeal for credibility would have been improved by you improve, uh, <laughs> pronouncing credibility correctly. <laughs> yeah. now, <laughs> and by me telling you off correctly as well, rather than not even being able to pronounce, pronounce. Correctly. Um, all I'll say to our listeners is if you want perfection and facts, and Swiss Ramble is freely available. If you, if you I don't, want, th- don't think he's free. He's, well, he's not free. We know he's not free. He's very expensive. But if, if, you, if you want ramshackle approaches at the truth, then we're your, possibly your only option. Uh, and we're in the top 20 Guardian independent pods, which I noticed Guy tweeted in the hope that we would say, oh, thanks to Guy, which we both resolutely refused to do. <laughs> but, but it is because let's face it without him this with this would have died in its arse 18 months ago yeah no fair point without him uh sending us the link to each other every week we would never have been able to do this you're quite right thanks guy love you bye the price of football.
that provides some photo call.